0: Welcome back to the, uh, the show. As it were, Garen Emig and Eric Bailey covering the Sooners for the Tulsa World. I write columns. Uh, this man uh, with me writes uh, stories and notes and columns as the beat writer. And he is uh, immersed in, uh, gosh, how many different sports now, Eric? Now that, now that spring sports have kicked off, kicked in, are we in double digits for the number of yeah. sports you're trying to keep track of? We had
1: a Baseball Zoom call today. Softball's playing out on the West Coast. <laughs> women are going to Texas. Men are going to Kansas. Uh, yeah, and free football is right around the corner, so we got a little bit of everything going on right
0: now. We'll try to touch on everything. And by the way, thanks very much, first of all, for watching. If you're if you're on TulsaWorld.com and consuming the video, if you're just uh, if you're uh, recor- listening to the recording, maybe down the turn Turnpike or uh, on the, on your way to work, and you downloaded the podcast via Apple. Spotify or Google, we thank you for doing that. You can continue to do so. Just like and subscribe, all that good stuff. We appreciate it. Uh, we will try to continue to deliver you content worth listening to. All right. You said softball. Dude, I never thought I would I would turn on ESPN Plus to watch to watch the Sooners play Cal Santa Barbara in softball, but there I was in my living room chair yesterday. Do I need therapy or, or is, is this team that interesting that we need to watch uh, watch them score nine runs in the first inning against the Gauchos?
1: Uh, what a way to start the season. Nine <laughs> runs in the first inning. Uh, at first at bat, very first at bat, Tiare Jennings hits one over the wall. That was home run number one. And the last four runs in came on uh, Jocelyn Alo's Grand Slam. So yeah, I think it's going to be one of those years again. And Jordy Ball, the talented freshman, came, got the start. Three up, three down, and uh, in fact, the whole pitching staff threw a perfect game. So great start for the Sooners. It's it's going to be a good year, I think.
0: You're uh, you're on. I take it Jocelyn Allo home run record watch. Are, are we sending you like like they like they used to like the Giants beat guys used to follow Barry Bonds when he, when he was breaking the all time MLB
1: home run record. Are you going to be going on the road with the Sooners to see this happen? You know that might be something we need to bring up. I need to volunteer because they're going to some cool places, including. Uh, my best friend, I'm gonna throw my throw his name out there, uh, Forbes. My best friend Forbes is going to Hawaii to watch Oklahoma play Hawaii uh, when Jocelyn Hallo goes home next month. So he he made a vacation around softball. So that, I guess that's he's a big OU fan. So I guess that kind of works around it too. He he's excited about the opportunity to watch Alo play softball in Hawaii.
0: That's next month.
1: That is next month. So yeah, so it it'll, it'll be fun. But I I think that that home run record will be in place by
0: then i was gonna say be cool if she broke if she broke it back back home though right yeah yeah
1: the way she swings the bat we could next you never know next friday when we're talking it could be done we'll see
0: so all right yeah softball off and winning what's new with that um they're uh they're playing ucla i think before the weekend so that 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 they'll actually i don't think they'll win that one 14 to nothing so that that might be a little bit more of of a competitive game but it is it's good to see the uh the Sooners Back on the Diamond, as you said, you talked to Skip John- Johnson about OU baseball. We'll get to that eventually. But um, this being Oklahoma, Eric, the football continues to uh, to pour in the news, uh, finally quieting down, I think, as far as Venables and recruiting season and the roster stabilization. But some news was made this week uh, in the fact that 11 players were invited to the scouting combine in Indianapolis. That seems a very high number. How high are we talking?
1: You know, the second most in the country. I think uh, Georgia had the most. I think they had 15, and Oklahoma's tied with Alabama with 11 players going to the Combine. And it's great representation for the uh, You look at down the group, they have five offensive players, five defensive players, and one specialist going. Uh, for Oklahoma football fans, it's going to be fun viewing on the NFL Network, just kind of watching everything and watching the, 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 the day when they're actually on the field doing on-field drills and stuff. So, uh, And, you know, these, these, these players, I mean, it's going to be interesting not only during the combine, but also on draft day to see where they get picked up.
0: Very on. Winfrey is one of the 11. He just uh, tore up the senior bowl, did he not, with a great week down in Mobile, was MVP of the game after he had uh, some some lights out practices. I saw several different media outlets post clips of him dominating one on one drills. We saw him eventually. It sort of, he was sort of hit and miss though in terms of getting to that top end level while he was at OU. And we always talked to Alex Grinch or uh, you know Calvin Thibodeau or a defensive assistant about needing to get more consistent excellence out of Perry on Winfrey. And you kind of see why they said all that after watching him sort of scratch that ceiling at the Senior
1: Bowl, right? You always think potential. You always wondered about his potential. And going into the season, you know, a lot of fans thought he'd have an All-American type year and just didn't happen. But then, again, like you said, what he did down in Mobile, just really, he made himself a lot of money down there with his uh, what he did on the defensive line. So I, I really was impressed with what he did. And it just makes you wonder, What could have been, you know, you know, why didn't he develop like you expected him to during this last year at Oklahoma? What could have happened if he played more snaps? Just a lot of what ifs. And, and, you know, when we look back at this season years from now, it's just probably one of a number of what ifs ourselves about what happened to this Oklahoma 2021 team.
0: Well, let me piggyback off that for just a second. Again, OU fans don't need any excuse to, 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 to sling daggers at Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, for that matter, now that they're out at USC. But when you see the number of players invited to the combine, as you said, same number as Alabama, and you're, 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 you're sort of rewriting the, uh, the, the, there's this chapter of OU football history. Does this, does this, is this bode well or not well? for what Riley and Grinch did at OU? Do we give them credit for bringing this kind of talent to help rebuild, especially on the defensive side of the football? Or do we say you had more more to work with, the results actually should have been better?
1: I think after three years, the results should have been better. I think that, you know, Alex Grinch was given time to develop those players into what everyone expected to be a college football playoff team. You know, before the year started, that was – It wasn't just getting into the playoffs; it was getting to that title game. And to fall so short of that, especially not even making the Big 12 championship game, I just think that this team really didn't reach its potential. And it's kind of disappointing when you look at all the talent that they had on this roster. And, you know, they, they started the season the way they started the season, 9-0. and uh, You wondered if November, they could carry that through. And everyone knows what happened in the month of November. So I, I think it was just a disappointment. And I think what's going to happen is these players, you know, we'll, we'll track what these players do at the next level. And for some Oklahoma fans, it's going to sting even more when you start going back once again to the what-ifs.
0: There's, uh, to turn it back to a positive slant, there's one player in particular I'm going to be rooting for at the Combine then over draft weekend. And then of course, when he gets his first shot in the NFL, it's a guy that you got to know a little bit. I got to know originally, gosh, it's been five years now when he got his all American uh, high school, American Jersey at Memorial high school, just down the, the street from where I live. It's Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I, I can't, I, I think we've talked about this before. I don't know if we've done it on this forum, Eric, but I, every year the program spits out a player or two that, that you really root for. I mean, it, and, and, I, and I mean that not just like you think positive about all these kids because of the times they gave us answering our questions, right? Uh, they were patient in that regard. Uh, 90 to 95 percent of kids in every college program handle their business professionally. And you do want to see them succeed. We don't we're not as invested, obviously, as our coaches, maybe not even as much as the fans are. But you, but you, you do get a chance through conversations even via Zoom to get to know these kids as they grow up and become men. And I dare say that no one exemplifies that off last year's OU team more than Thomas, uh, a guy, again, who was a TPS grad of Memorial Charger at one time, didn't do anything because he, he never really got a chance to this first two or three years in the program, all of a sudden pops into a, into a stance at defensive end and just blows up. We know him to be a good player, but also pretty a solid individual. And I I think you'll echo echo my sentiments as someone that you're really going to pull for to set himself up, his family up uh, financially, as well as uh, meet some level of professional football success.
1: You know, Isaiah, what a ride it's been. And you're right. I think I'm proud of him. Well, both you and I are both TPS graduates. You went to to East Central and to see TPS kids do good, those Tulsa Public School kids do good you know, you get a little bit of pride in that. And especially for those Memorial High School graduates, I don't think they've had such a player since Randy Hughes back in the 70s that's really had this impact from that high school. And uh, Isaiah, you're right, we had a chance to get to know him early in his career. He, He wasn't playing. It wasn't until the last two seasons where he really blew up and became that impact player. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there were times when he doubted himself. Can I make this, you know, make this team? Can I help them out? And he never gave up on himself. And it, at times when it's so easy to hit that fork in the road and say, which direction is my career going? He took the right road and he worked hard and he earned everything he's gotten. Uh, I really think he'll have a really good combine, really athletic young man. Uh, and again, it's his personality that stands out. He'll, he, I think he'll knock out the interviews with GMs and coaches. I think he'll do well there. And He's going to be a fun journey to, to kind of track over these next two months, two, three months, to see how he does at the Combine, how he does at Oklahoma's Pro Day, and then the final weeks going into Draft Day.
0: Jeremiah Hall, another player who is going to the Combine to represent the Sooners, the fullback or H-back, what, what you want to call him, also uh, venturing into social media, hosting a podcast with Braden Willis. And that got our attention this week because uh, one, one of their special guests was this new starting quarterback. Of the Sooners, what what did you learn from the uh, what was he on for about twenty minutes? Dylan Gabriel, what did you learn from Dylan Gabriel, Gabriel talking to Hall and Willis on the the podcast on the Prairie?
1: First of all, those two uh, Hall and Willis, they do a good job with their podcast. I've been impressed every time I watch them. They do they do good work. Uh, No, Dylan Gabriel, I'm just impressed with how he's really adapted and accepted to that that leadership role that this team needs. I mean, your starting quarterback, which he's already been named the starter, there will be no guessing games in spring or in fall camp of who the starter is. Uh, Jeff Levy has made that known. But I think that he's accepted that leadership role where he's accepted the team, he's making sure that they understand this is what we need to do, and he's ready to hit the ground running. Uh, I was just impressed with the way Gabriel – really talked about the future at Oklahoma, how he worked with Levy, the relationship he had with them at UCF during that 2019 season. They only worked together one year, but they got a lot out of that first year. He had an outstanding uh, freshman season. And I think being reunited at Oklahoma, they both know there's a job to be done here. And uh, I think that makes you feel good if you're an Oklahoma fan because you have a veteran quarterback who understands the system and understands Levy's lingo. And, and, and something else Gabriel said is he said uh, Levy's grown. He said he called him a grown Levy. Uh, he, he, you know, those two years at Ole Miss has uh, really developed Levy's mind even more, and, and it was noticed by Gabriel. So I really think that he really enjoys that opportunity, too, to, to, to learn some new, new things under the coach. So uh, Gabriel, he's, he's ready to hit the ground running, and we'll see what happens there as well.
0: Did he say anything about Caleb Williams?
1: Not really. Basically, what he said about Caleb, you know, when he decided to come to Oklahoma, Caleb Williams had announced he was entering the transfer portal. Right. No chance Caleb could have returned. But Jeff, excuse me, Dylan Gabriel was ready to fight for that quarterback job. And uh, that was, you know, he was betting on himself. I mean, he had a good chance to play a lot at UCLA, but he decided to bet on himself. And it's all worked out for him. And I think if you're an Oklahoma fan, you got to be happy with that.
0: So there's your starting quarterback, Gabriel, uh, introduced to the the public, if you will, by a couple of Sooners. It's just a crazy time to be alive. It's it's a couple of teammates who get the first crack at uh, at a, at, a, at an interview. Uh, I, I'm just glad they got they got him out in front of a camera, and we get a chance to at least get get 20 minutes of uh, of information from him. It was curious, or it was interesting, to hear about the process in terms of making the decision. And yes, you're right. The um, the uh, the comments about Levy I think are instructive, as we move from one staff to the other. Uh, the old staff, gosh, again Riley can't go a week without getting oh, OU fans pissed off about something. And I guess what what was it this week? Something about that uh, I did. Was it on ES? No, it was on Colin Coward. Right? He uh-huh. did Coward asked him something about yeah. uh, pull, pulling Oklahoma players out of the portal, and then he went semantics, I guess, in his response. Right.
1: He said he didn't take Oklahoma players. He took players who had left Oklahoma and were in the portal. <laughs> he took players out of the transfer portal. So, yeah, schematics is a good word. He made sure he kind of danced around taking Oklahoma players. Yeah,
0: well, I have a feeling that there will be more obsessing over Riley's uh, quotes and <laughs> and when the, when there's actual football, when we actually see football play next September, can you imagine the obsessing as to what's going on out at USC in the state?
1: It's going to so. be funny. There's going to be a lot of people watching USC games more than we usually expect, aren't there?
0: <laughs> In fact, one of, the, uh, one of the one of the of the local affiliates picks <laughs> picks up Riley's don't you show. <laughs> something like that. Um all right, uh before yeah, uh, enough about Riley. Let's move, let's move on and, and just ditch football all together. Let's talk basketball for a second and give the Sooners their due. That's uh, that's a big deal what they did Wednesday night at home against Texas Tech when everyone was starting to write them off as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. Porter Mosers team down five right at the half, Yeah, erupts in the second half. Uh, Mo Gibson with 30, I think, dropping 30 on one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. And all of a
1: sudden, oh, he's off the bubble. Or am I wrong? I think they're still on the bubble. There's still work to be done. But that was a huge step. And it's funny with Mo Gibson. You know, earlier in the week, Seth Davis the athletic. And I wrote about this. He wrote a story where he talked to coaches who gave their thoughts on Big 12 schools anonymously. You know, they he didn't attach uh you know nothing was on the you know nothing was so it was all sourced out basically and they talked a little bit about Oklahoma opposing coaches did and they said with uh, emoji emoji Gibson you have to guard his guard the three-point line you know stay on his shooting hand uh and make him drive they said if you get six two-pointers you're you feel good because you don't want him to hit eight three-pointers well what do you do against Texas Tech he hit eight three-pointers so that that just kind of, that, that scouting it was perfect. And that was a big game for Gibson. He had been struggling. He went 0 for 6 against Oklahoma State in the Bedlam loss. And he's one of those guys on a team that's really hurting for consistent scorers. He's one of the guys they really need to put the basket in the hoop. And I think that's going to help him down the second stretch of the, the, league, the league, starting with tomorrow's game at Kansas. Uh, Oklahoma's still on the bubble. I mean, they still have work to do. But they, the thing about it is they have opportunities ahead of them, too. You know, any win from this point on for Oklahoma is a good win because everyone in the Big 12 has high net rankings. So uh, starting with Saturday's game at Allen Fieldhouse, which will be tough, they haven't won there since 93. Our mm. correspondent, Jeff John Shin, mentioned that it was the infancy of the Clinton administration. <laughs> <laughs> so he put a little perspective that way into it, too. So it's been a while since Oklahoma's had success in the fall. Pre, Are we
0: talking pre-internet? <laughs> pre-internet. I mean,
1: are yeah. we talking pre- are we
0: talking pre-Twitter, Eric, and Facebook and all that <laughs> stuff since since they won in Lawrence, Kansas? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Golly, that's nuts. Like, yeah, it comes up every year. I guess you just don't think about it, and then you're reminded every year that it that it's been that long. Well, I'm I promise you, if they win in the Allen Fieldhouse, they will they won't be on the bubble. They'll they they won't have to worry about going to Dayton and playing in the first four, which I, I believe one of the bracketologists has them doing right now. Yeah.
1: So there's going to be a lot of watching. And, and, you know, Porter Moser, we had a chance to talk to him this afternoon. And he said his team's not naive to bubble watch and bracketology. They, they can't avoid it. And, and, but he says, you know, just understand there's work to be done and, and don't get caught up into it too much. But, he, and again, he just likes the opportunities. You know, Wednesday was an opportunity. They took advantage. And they're going to have to do that with every – especially home games. They're going to have to really try to finish up strong at home.
0: I want to bring up one more sport before we uh, we scram, and that's women's basketball. And I'm very curious about uh, an interview you had, not with the we've we've already propped up Jenny Brancic and the job she's done with the with the Sooners this year, and it gets better every week. It seems they're uh, they're angling for a, 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 a gosh, a, they're they're on the way to a two seed if they keep this up. And in, in their tournament, big mat, big matchup with Texas and Austin on Saturday night. We'll keep an eye on that as well. But you talked to the coach that. Baranchik replaced, if I'm not mistaken. I got to hear how that went.
1: I had a chance to talk to Sherry Cole. Uh, you know, when Oklahoma beat Texas last, or it's been two weeks ago, last month, two weeks ago, I'm sorry. When when OU won, uh, Sherry Cole was in attendance and gave a big hug to Baranchik. You know, she was so excited to see OU beat Texas. And so I decided to give her a call and say, what do you think about this? And I had asked Jenny about it too. Jenny's words, words were, it's such a seamless transition. And he's, she's so excited about how Sherry and her have really helped make this transition smooth. And Sherry just talked about and she wanted, that was part of her, when she retired, that was part of the thing she was concerned about was just the passing of the baton. And she kind of laughed and then called it, it was more like the passing of a blanket wrapped, real <laughs> the baton. She was gonna be real cautious about what happened next. And uh, she, she's really ecstatic about what Oklahoma is doing, not only for the program, but for the girls, uh, or the ladies, I'm sorry, that are on the program, Taylor Robertson, Maddie Williams, uh, kids that Sherry had recruited to OU. And Sherry said, I'm invested in these players. I love these players. I only want the best for them. And so for those two to have success in their senior years, it, it's really excited her. She's, she's really happy with what Oklahoma is doing. I asked her, you know, do you ever want to coach again? And she said, I don't think so. I, she said she's, she's really fulfilled all her dreams on coaching. She's writing, a, she's writing a blog right now that I've really read. She's, and we talked about this at her retirement. She is real. She's an old English teacher and her, her blogs are outstanding. I've enjoyed reading every one of her blogs, just her, her, her thoughts on different subjects, sports, life, friendships. And uh, I think Sherry's in a really good place now and she's just excited to see the Oklahoma program where it's at now.
0: I'm glad to hear you say that because when she retired or uh, last spring there, that I mean let's be honest it wasn't it wasn't the the it didn't go down as easy as it should have because of the struggles of that program the last three or four years in particular. I mean it, it had really bottomed out. I mean it, there's there's no other way to say it And uh, her salary became a topic because of that. Uh, Whether she'd put it in neutral, you know, became a topic. Why, why can't, you know, why isn't it happening? You know, where are all the fans? Where's all the production? And uh, there was even some off the court issues that, that got kind of ugly with regard to players and accusations about mistreatment or, and it just, it just went, it just took a wrong turn. And. I, not to discount the wrong turn and not to, to, to make up for a job not done in the, in the last uh, portion of Cole's career at OU and the issues with their players certainly needed to be addressed, but you were a little afraid that all, that, that story was going to diminish, right, the, all of the work she put in to literally building that program from rubble. And all, you know, the final four appearances, the national runner-up with Stacey Dales, the outreach with her players that was constant, the, uh, the, the, the relational uh, development of, of the players that she graduated and all of it was sort of hard to tell that story, right, at the time. And so I'm glad to hear that she's arrived at a piece about her tenure at OU and that by extension of her players on Jenny Baranchik's team and their success, they're sort of rewriting maybe that last chapter right, of, of of her career at Oklahoma by extension. Again, credit fully to Jenny Brancic for what she's doing with a lot of the players that Cole recruited and signed and all that stuff. Uh, but the fact that she's enjoying it sort of vicariously, it's re- I guess I'm saying it's reassuring.
1: And Jenny Brancic said that's something that they told the players. I don't want you to compare the two coaches. I don't say this way is better than that way because both Sherry and Ginny want the, the same thing. They want the best for the program. And Ginny said, we'll, we'll never do that to our players. We'll never ask them to pick. It's not fair to them, and it's not right. So just impressed with how Baranchek, she really, really appreciates everything that Sherry Cole's built in Oklahoma, the transition to where it's at now, and, and the future. I mean, she's going to make sure Sherry Cole is a part of this program moving on.
0: If there's a better story in women's basketball across the country, I haven't seen it, honestly. Uh, this, is, this has been some kind of ride that uh, that Branchick, uh, Williams, and Robertson, and, the, and those kids have taken the Sooners on. We'll see how it goes when they play the Longhorns in the rematch in Austin tomorrow night. We'll have that to talk about next week, as well as the men's, the men's game uh, in Lawrence. Uh, we'll revisit any football headlines that are made. And, oh, God, man, uh, there is a Super Bowl happening this weekend with Sooner ties that we probably ought to at least mention, right, <laughs> in fairness to... The Bengals and, the, and Oboe and Obo Karanquo, and the Rams with Bobby Evans, I think.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you think about those running backs, Ajay P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, they were in the backfield together in Oklahoma. And now look at them, what they're doing with the Bengals. So uh, it, it's crazy. And Oboe, uh, he was always one of the, the fun ones to, uh, to uh, keep an eye on and, and watch. And he was a great quote, <laughs> one of the best quotes we had yep. Bobby Evans. And, you know, Bobby Evans, you remember he was a tight end in high school. And now look at him. So he, he he's an outstanding athlete. And even Jordan, uh, Jordan Evans, uh, am I thinking of Jordan Evans on the yep. Western linebacker? He yes. Reserve in October. I think in October he had to go on injured reserve, but he's a part of that Bengals program too. So just happy for all the Oklahoma players. It's neat because you remember, remember when, when we were sitting in the, in the red room, just talking to these guys, just talking about the upcoming opponent now. They're on the biggest stage playing in the, the sports biggest game. So you're happy that all these guys who this is a dream of theirs. This is probably when they were little kids, they dreamed of this opportunity. So I, if, you know, I don't really have a rooting interest in, in who wins, but I know that there'll be some Oklahoma fans and some Oklahoma players that'll be excited Sunday night.
0: Well, my rooting interest was with Zach Taylor, the coach of the Bengals who I actually covered when he was a quarterback at Norman high school at the transcript, <laughs> the last quarterback I covered before I joined the sooner beat at the transcript was, was Zach. And so I've got a real soft spot for him, and and I want to see, I want to see uh, him uh, cap off what, what's been a, a, just a dream run with a, a world championship uh, tomorrow or or a Sunday. Our good friend John Hoover, uh, b- the biggest Rams fan I know, will like to hear that, but uh, I don't know, I don't know if John's a subscriber yet. That probably didn't do us any favors with him, but anyway. Well, okay, we'll talk about the Super Bowl as well next week and see if uh, if any of the Sooners did something big in the game to help decide it. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for reading our our work and tuning in via video or the pod. Again, Apple, Google, and Spotify, where you can catch us weekly. Just download, subscribe, do what you have to do to consume the content. We'll keep cranking it out.